0: listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry.
1: You're listening to Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 226. How's it going, Mark?
0: It's going awesome. We're in the new year. There's no new viruses.
1: (laughs) 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 You know, just the one that keeps mutating and stuff. No big deal. Yeah. So we didn't do your predictions at the end of December. So are you ready to share some of those things now?
0: Yeah. So the reason that we didn't do the predictions at the end of December was contractual and financial obligations. Other companies have paid for exclusivity for that. Big shout out to Technique FMC, who people, if you're listening to this, you already heard this on the internal Technique FMC podcast. This could be the same predictions, maybe a little bit more flair, but yeah, let's get into it. And audience, this is, please, please, please. I do this every year. I've been doing it since I think 2014 and I don't have a crystal ball. This is based upon the business conversations I have with leaders of the industry, my own experience, the data that we research ourselves. But of all the times I've done predictions, this is the one time where I tell everybody by no means you don't use my predictions to make business decisions. This last no. year, 2020, was crazy trying to predict what you didn't 20-
1: predict that, buddy. Actually, if you go back and listen
0: to <laughs> 2020, you? no, I did not predict double black swan, I did not predict the pandemic, but I did predict other stuff that came pretty darn close. I was kind of surprised myself. But for trying to predict what's happened in 2021 on gas is extremely hard so this is my best shot at it. like i said this is the one i'd ask people to have the least amount of faith in of all the years i've been doing this but a couple things before we get into predictions one thing is we just come out of this election you have a lot of people think that the oil and gas industry is getting ready to disappear completely in the next five years that's not true hydrocarbons will never go away it's one of those valuable molecules to mankind ever And We also hear people talking about peak oil demand has hit. No, people. We had a double black swan event and a global pandemic, so people were locked down, so they weren't driving and flying and playing soccer, so of course demand went down. The current administration honestly can't do a whole bunch to hurt our industry until the midterm elections, although they can do some executive action stuff. The big thing we have to manage is perception. And then, you know, now that the vaccine is out, life should be getting back to normal, which is what we want. We want people to start flying and consuming hydrocarbons again. So, you know, we came through an extremely hard year. We actually came through the hardest year for the oil and gas industry I've ever known, period, was 2020. And we're coming out of it now. So, you know, here's what I think is going to happen. Like I said, this is a really hard year to try to figure out what it's going to actually look like. But darn it, I'm going to do my best.
1: Okay. Well, before we get into it, we have one review. Great work, guys. Love the show. Please keep up the great work. And when will you start doing live events again from Tabs?
0: Hey, Tabs. We actually have a hybrid event we're going to do in January, which is actually when you're hearing this. So I can't give you the details because as we're recording this, we have the details locked down, but check out any of our social media pages and the details should actually be out by the time you're hearing this. It's going to be a small exclusive in-person event here in houston and then we'll live stream the entire thing so everybody else can join us as well so we're getting there tab
1: all right and just in advance i want to tell everybody that my dog's in the room with me because fireworks so sorry all right mark let's get into it
0: is he shooting fireworks
1: no, he's <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty no. darn good. Okay. No, he's not. However, he is terrified. So I've already given him
0: Benadryl's, and I'm just waiting
1: for that to take effect, but yep. he will not leave my side. Yeah, poor guy. He
0: really is terrified of the fireworks. So let's go ahead and get into it, Paige. First one, first prediction for 2021 unfortunately we've had a lot of refineries shut down in the u.s because of lack of demand if you don't know this a refinery is never designed to be shut down completely yes parts of refineries are designed to be taken down during planned maintenance something called a turnaround yes you have outages which which are unplanned maintenance but the refinery itself is never planned to be shut down well companies are shutting down refineries because of the lack of demand for refined products now the thing is a couple of things. So if they shut down the refinery, that tells me that they're in the market to get rid of the refinery. Well, who's going to buy it? And if nobody buys it, what happens to that refinery? Then is it, does it make more fiscal sense to build a new refinery outside of the U.S. somewhere in the world where you don't have the same political risk that you have here? To me, the answer is yes. If you look at all the super majors, if you look at what they're doing with their refinery business, they're building refineries all over the world to mitigate this risk. The US has historically led the world in downstream and refined products for a couple of reasons. One is we're one of the few countries that can process heavy complex crude. Number two is that we have the infrastructure in the nation. We have deep water ports on every coast, we have the pipeline infrastructure, we have the electrical infrastructure, we have the road and rail infrastructure. But unfortunately, because of what's happening, because of the COVID-19 lockdown, the decline in demand, because refineries are being shut down and companies can't sell that, I think my prediction number one is the U.S. is going to lose its downstream dominance, which to me is really sad. Yeah. But when you look at the maturity curve of any industries, this is sort of stuff that happens. when parts of your products become a commodity. At some point, you don't want to be in the commodity manufacturing space anymore. So number one prediction for 2021 is the U.S. is going to lose its downstream dominance.
1: All right. So what's the next one, Mark?
0: Consolidation, but not consolidation in oil service companies, not consolidation in operators, not even consolidation in the guys that make FR clothing. This is a consolidation in the tech providers. All of the big tech companies have realized the Profit they can make in oil and gas they've realized that they can help us solve a lot of problems they've proven the value of cloud the oil and gas industry has adopted that but what's going to happen is now that there's adaptation and now that there's definite lines to business, consolidation is a natural byproduct of this. It's a natural part of the evolution. So you can see the tech companies start consolidate with each other, especially in the parts of the business that touch oil and gas. That's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. As those consolidations happen, the cost of these solutions will go down. The quality will go up. And the, the tech providers themselves will, will gain more and more domain expertise. And, I, you know, we've seen already some of these tech consolidations already like,
1: like Salesforce, Salesforce bought Tableau, what, last year?
0: Bought Tableau last year. And then just
1: recently Slack.
0: Bought Slack, yeah.
1: Amazon just bought Wonderly.
0: Yep, that's right. Which is a, spot.
1: yeah, which is also what, a, what that's a podcasting yep. app, right? Yep. And I think Microsoft bought ZenMax Media, which is parent company, is Bethesda
0: software. Yep, so. Pay attention to what Microsoft does. You know they bought Minecraft not that long ago I say not that ago, it was probably five years ago but they bought Minecraft not because they wanted to own little kids' games. They bought Minecraft because they want future talent. Yeah, the reason that makes they're, sense. they're buying video game, the companies that manufacture video games is for the market share of the content video games are no longer first person shooters where you just see how many points you can rack up now you have people playing from all over the world and you have shared experiences and you're creating content think of twitch twitch is a content stream for video gamers yeah same way with podcasts so you're seeing the consolidation already start to happen i expect that to actually ramp up through starting in 2021 for the next three or four years
1: all right so what's next what we got gen z
0: Gen Z is in the house. Hey, millennials, you had your chance. Sorry. Move over. So by the middle of this year, by the end of this year, 2021, about 30% of the oil and gas workforce will be Generation Z. And you go, so what? Well, Generation Z is, is different than the millennial generation. Generation Z reminds me a lot of Generation X, which is my generation. So Generation Z is not as collaborative as the millennials they're also much more competitive they also love the safety of big paychecks right because they saw their parents who are the millennial generation they saw their parents have all these hopes and dreams and have a lot of those hopes and dreams dashed because of the financial situation their parents were in so now having that money in the bank is important to them i'm telling you paige if i was running a sales organization i would hire nothing but gen z's so they're competitive They like making big checks, which is perfect for a sales organization. The other thing that's unique about Gen Z is you cannot fool them with social media. They will fact check instantly. Anything that their parents or anybody else tells them about something that they saw on Twitter or Facebook or anything, they automatically are doubtful. So you can't sway the way they think about stuff with social media. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing.
1: Both of our kids are Gen Zs. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And think about that. You can't fool them with anything. So- I love the fact that Gen Z is coming in the workforce. I actually love the fact that the oil and gas industry is hiring a lot of Gen Zs. Their personality, I think, fits in a lot of ways better than the millennial generation. I think they're, they should naturally separate right in. And the truth is, it doesn't matter. They're here. They are continue to gain share of the, our oil and gas workforce. And they're also starting to gain share politically. From a political point of view, Gen Zs tend to be conservative, but conservative fiscally very open-minded socially, which I think is a great mix. So Gen Z's in the house.
1: All right, what's next, Mark?
0: The rebirth of the Canadian oil and gas. Industry. Thank God. For our Canadian brothers and sisters, heck yeah. So because of what's happened with our administration here in the U.S., I expect the cost of finding and producing hydrocarbons to go up here in the U.S. for our hydrocarbons. Like I said earlier, we're one of the few countries that can process and turn into products, heavy, complex crudes. So we need access to heavy, complex crudes at a less of a price that we could get here in the U.S. And the best way, the cheapest way for us to get that is from Canada. That's where they have a lot of heavy, complex crude. And we have most of the infrastructure already in place to get those heavy crudes down here to the U.S. So in some strange twist of fate, I think our current administration and the election we just went through – And the pickup of the oil and gas industry after the double black swan event is going to actually help the Canadian oil and gas industry, which means there'll be more Canadian oil and gas jobs, more Canadian tax dollars. Unfortunately, it means less jobs and tax dollars for for the U.S., but I think that what we just went through is going to actually help the Canadian oil and gas industry. All right. Number five. Remote worker. This one's really interesting. So we've always had remote workers in our industry, but it was sort of like an experiment. If you were manufacturing a blowout preventer or manufacturing a coker or something like that, when it's time to do factory acceptance testing, you would fly your crew out there to where it was manufactured in the world. You'd fly the buyer's crew out there and the typically independent third-party inspector all to do FAT testing. Well, during 2020, we had no choice but to do that remotely. And guess what, Paige? It what? works. Yeah. <laughs> like we ourselves go, I can't believe we could do this remotely. And it's safer. Yeah. So not only are you not flying people around, you're not putting people in confined spaces. You're not putting people under heavy steel. And so the remote worker thing is awesome, but it could drive another layer of, of adaptation. So if you're a remote worker, you need new technology, right? We have a little company called Realware. Yeah. That makes a, <laughs> one of those technologies. You also could need new software, you're going need new processes. You're going to need new cybersecurity, right? So now you're literally building an industry that didn't exist anymore inside the oil and gas industry, which is this remote worker industry. It's better for everybody. It's cheaper. It's safer for everybody. And then once again, it's another way to make money. Imagine if you're, you know, right now if you're a 16-year-old kid and your parents are making fun of you because all you do is fly drones. Well, imagine when you graduate high school in two years if somebody like Halliburton hires you to fly their drones to do remote inspection.
1: Booyah. Booyah, Mom and Dad. <laughs> you know?
0: So, you know, awesome stuff. For remote workers. It's here to stay. It's only gonna grow and it's exciting stuff.
1: All right. Number six. ESG. Hey, we have a podcast coming on with that.
0: Yep. It's it. such a big thing that we're actually we've launched an ESG podcast. And if you don't know what ESG means, it's environmental, social governance. It's sort of like the old CSR with that governments part added to it. And it's not it's real, right, people? Our industry has done a lot of good things for the planet, a lot of good things for their employees and for the communities they operate in. But it's time to bring it up to the next level, and it's time to be accountable for everything.
1: What does the ESG stand for, Mark?
0: Environmental, social, and government. Okay. So we want to make sure that we're good stewards of the environment, which we are. Right. We also want to make sure we're good students socially, which we're getting there, Right. So, you know, some of our first Friday Q&A, we have people reach out and ask us questions around the social implications of what we do as an industry. And it's not always a black and white answer. Sometimes it's a gray answer. Very gray, It's, it's hard to figure it out. Yeah. And if it's something that our employees and our fellow stakeholders are interested in. So right now, if you, know, if you come work for OGGN, one of the things that you're interested in is what do we do to give back? right? Because we do that. Well, it's the same way with Chevron or Exxon. Now their employees want to know, what are you doing as far as really giving back? Like, not just what you put in the newspaper ads, but like, what are you really doing for society, right? That's important. And it should be. And it's been a part of what we've done, but now to actually quantify it and measure, I think is awesome. And then governance is another one. I get a little chip on my shoulder when I have people talking about executive compensation, like, oh, this CEO made $100 million in a year. Well, sort of like athletes, right? the guy that can throw the Super Bowl touchdown pass in that clinch, there's one or two of them in the world. And of course, they're going to demand high dollars. The guy that ran Chevron through the worst oil and gas crash in history deserves to be paid some, but he needs to perform for that, right? right. And so if we have a government's part to make sure that our leaders and our management are paid in according to what they perform, right? nothing against high executive compensation, but make sure they perform for it. You know, A lot of my favorite leaders will push back, especially in rough times, on big base salaries and go, look, I don't pay me all this. We're laying people off. Pay me if I keep the company alive. Yeah. Pay me if I keep jobs. And I love that. Yeah. So, you know, we take that to heart here at OGG, and hence we have an ESG podcast we've launched. But it's also good that the oil and gas industry is finally owning up to that and saying we're taking full responsibility, full accountability, and we will be public about it. So I just think – so I don't think – I know ESG is huge. It drives shareholder value. It's affecting oil and gas industry's ability to hire and retain talent, to be, even be able to operate in certain parts of the world. And it's time that we step up to the plate and go, you know what? We got this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the next one. Number seven. Hydrogen. Hey, aren't we doing a <laughs> podcast about that too at some point? Wait,
0: Paige, that's that. Even though you're looking at the board, you just gave away a secret. Oh. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. So hydrogen, if you don't know, this is what makes the sun run. So it's been around since the one millionth second after the Big Bang. So it's been around forever. Right? Yeah. Hydrogen's an interesting fuel. So one of the things that's interesting to use hydrogen as a fuel is that you can run it into a internal combustion engine, right? So if we decide that we choose not to use diesel or gasoline to run a car, it's with a little bit of modification. You can run it on hydrogen. The other thing is, though, you can run hydrogen in a fuel cell. One of the problems with electric cars is the battery. The battery basically can't perform to what we need it to perform to. It can get about 75% there, but it just doesn't get there. Well, but if we run a hydrogen fuel cell instead of a battery we then the fuel for that electric vehicle is hydrogen, you have a fuel cell with an extremely long range to provide electricity. And you want to guess what the waste exhaust is? Zero. Fresh water. Fresh water. Really? Drink. Yeah. Right? So out of your exhaust pipe is fresh water. And this isn't new. If you think of all the space missions, think of even the Apollo missions back in the 60s. For electricity for the spacecraft, they use hydrogen fuel cells, which also generate their drinking water supply, right? So it's a great fit. But here's something else about hydrogen. You know the word hydrocarbon? Yes. Where do you think the hydro part came from? Hydrogen. Yeah. So between 10 and 15% of hydrocarbons are made up of hydrogen, right? So it's a naturally part of hydrocarbons. Okay. A couple of cool things about that. First thing is, in the right circumstance, you can move hydrogen around for free. You can mix hydrogen with natural gas, and you actually can generate hydrogen from natural gas, but you can take hydrogen, mix it with natural gas up to a certain percentage, push it out in a natural gas pipeline, move it anywhere in the world, and then at the end point, separate the hydrogen, and you've just moved it for free. That's huge. I thought it was a trick
1: question. That's why I got quiet. I I was like, what? (laughs) The look on your face was like, okay, this could be a trick, because you kind of had a smirk. So I was like, hmm.
0: The other thing about hydrogen is the biggest – constraint around renewables, especially solar and wind, is that when they overproduce, you can't store it. Battery trying to store that in battery technology is prohibitively expensive. And so what happens here in Texas when we hit peak wind generation, which by the way, Texas is number one wind generated state in the country, you know, what would they do is they turn the windmills off. Well that's not a very effective use of infrastructure. Well One of the things you can do is take that extra electricity, which normally would just go to waste or actually not even be generated, and you can electrolysize produced water. So you can take Produce water from a well, run electricity through it from excess solar or wind, and produce hydrogen. So you're basically storing that excess solar or wind energy by producing hydrogen. You can also electrolysis seawater. So hydrogen came out of nowhere. It could be a big driver, that and ammonia, big driver in the oil and gas industry as we head toward this more green type of world. But it also has real solid financial benefits. And so our number seven prediction for oil gas for 2021 is the importance of hydrogen. All right. So number eight. Loss of the middleman. Unfortunately, if you're a middleman, you need to start looking at different revenue streams. So historically, if you're an operator out in West Texas or out in the Gulf of Mexico or the North Sea or Africa or whatever, and you need a pump – you buy that pump from a service company. That service company gets that pump from a distributor, right? That distributor buys the pump from a manufacturer. Now, the advantage of that is the distributor takes some of the risk. The distributor is also one that warehouses everything so to make sure that you can get that pump in the right time. The distributor also has a lot of knowledge around the different pumps that you can buy. And so that served a value in our industry for a very, very long time. But that distributor adds a layer of cost. And so what's happening now is now the service companies are skipping the distributor and going straight to the manufacturer. Right? This lowers the cost for the same product, which then helps everybody. And if you think about what Sam Walton did with Walmart, that's what he saw. Back when before Walmart existed, what happens is, is you want it to buy a consumer product, let's say laundry detergent, let's say Tide, which by the way, Tide, if you want to sponsor the, sh- the show, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Actually, you can't sponsor the show, we are have a sponsor.
1: Tide Pods. <laughs>
0: but let's use Tide. So before Walmart, the company that manufactured Tide, which I think is Procter & Gamble, would manufacture Tide. They would sell it to a distributor. That distributor would then sell it to the grocery stores, right? So there's an extra layer of profit just being to that distributor. What Sam Walton realized is that a lot of the profit margin of the complete value chain was that distributor, so he skipped it. He went straight from a distributor, which is how the grocery stores did it, to Walmart buying it from the manufacturer and skipping the distributor. It was genius. Very simple thing, but genius, right? The same things happen in our industry right now. So if you're a distributor, if you're a middleman in oil and gas, I'm serious about this. You need to start looking at different revenue streams because the industry has figured out because of technology that we don't need that expertise that the distributor brings because we can store that online. We can Google it, basically. We don't need your warehousing ability because now we have the technology to do just-in-time delivery. And the buyer, which is the operator's technology systems, can talk to the manufacturer's system to make sure that what they need is available when they need it. So number eight prediction for 2021 is loss of the middleman in supply chain.
1: Oh, small little nugget about Tide since you brought it up. Did you know that it's one of the top things that is sold on the dark web?
0: You're kidding me? No, no I did not Yeah, that.
1: because of the margin of cost.
0: Interesting. So that just proves my point right there. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Dart Webb, for validating at least <laughs> one of my predictions.
1: All right, so number nine, Mark.
0: Our ability to trace hydrocarbons from the reservoir to the consumer. Now, the technology has been there for actually quite a long time. It's basically based upon DNA sequencing of the native microbes that live in the different hydrocarbon zones. Right. So we now, or we have the ability for a while to tell exactly where that all came from. Well, the price of doing that type of work has gotten really, really cheap and we can do it in real time now. So a couple of things. So Paige, you and I drive nice cars Mm -hmm. that run on gasoline. Mm -hmm. So if you had a choice between going to a gas station that proved... That their hydrocarbons were sourced responsibility so everybody got paid no black market no hse incidences would you pay an extra penny a gallon probably yeah I, mean, I would too right would you do the same thing for lipstick yeah soccer balls i don't play soccer don't, yeah but, but you see my point yeah and so what what's happening is now we're gonna have the ability to prove 100 where those hydrocarbons came from and you're gonna see companies and you're gonna see People And you can see organizations naturally gravitate toward the ones that are more responsibly harvested, just like anything else, which means that the ones that aren't responsible are going to disappear. And one of the biggest issues we have in the oil and gas industry outside of the U.S. and outside of Europe is theft. It's black market, right? Which we've talked about in the show, which drives all kinds of crazy behavior where people get hurt and all kinds of just pirates and everything else. Well, now we know for sure where the hydrocarbon came from. So we can say, you know what? You stole that. We're not doing business with you. right? And and so just the technology advancements to allow us to trace exactly where those hydrocarbons came from so quickly now is going to drive a different behavior for the consumer. Because I, for one, will buy, will spend a little bit more money to make sure the hydrocarbons are sourced responsibly. I just think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, so final one, Mark. This one's kind of sad for me. And a big part of it is because I'm an American. I'm so patriotic. But the writing's on the wall. So you've heard me talk about this for almost a decade, is our talent constraint. Well, it's to the point now where literally almost nobody here and in Europe wants to go to school to work in the oil and gas industry. And yet, our industry will always need engineers and project managers and accountants and everything else. So there's different cultures in the world. So people... Unless you're in Texas, look down on you if you say you want to work in the oil and gas industry. That's the truth here and in Europe. You go to Russia and you say you want to work in the oil and gas industry, they think that's awesome. You go to Africa, they think it's incredible. Even Australia, Malaysia, right? So... As we move forward in time, starting 2021, we're going to see less and less Europeans and Americans in our industry. And you can see more and more people from the countries that are pro oil and gas, like Russia and Malaysia and Africa. And you see those people be our engineers and project managers and our accountants and everything else. And so the culture of our industry, which has predominantly been European in Western, right? European American is now gonna shift. It's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing, it's just a change. I do picture in my head people with Russian accents fussing at the numbers not being right.
1: <laughs> it sounds really <laughs> angry. Number,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but it but it's happening. It, like I said, it's not a good thing, it's not a bad thing, it is a change. So the, literally the culture of our industry. Is changing under our feet because of this negative public perception, which we're here at OGN are working on. But unfortunately, we're not going to get it solved quick enough to prevent this sort of thing from happening. That's my final prediction is that the culture of the oil and gas industry is starting to change in 2021 just because of where our future talent is coming from.
1: All right, and of course, you all want this shirt, so come on and get it. <laughs>
0: yeah, Register. It's a really cool shirt. If you're a new listener, welcome, first thing. We have these IBM shirts, which are we spent some money on. They're cut differently for men and women. They come in a variety of sizes, and they have a unique artwork on them, on the sleeves. One of the, the best things is that each shirt has its own unique serial number, which makes them instantly collectible. So all you have to do is go register to win. We give away one a week. If you don't win, just register the next week and keep entering until you win one. But the shirts have the unique serial numbers have some future advantages. And like I said, they're instantly collectible and they're really cool looking shirts.
1: Yeah. And also we'll be announcing sometime later this month who the winner of new swag is. But how do you want to do that, Mark? We're going to do that through the OGGN and LinkedIn group.
0: I say we keep doing it through the OGG and LinkedIn group. I yeah. I like that. Yeah. So if you haven't joined, obviously, this is our, our segue to go join the OGGN LinkedIn group. Also, if you want to volunteer, give us an hour's worth of work a week and then be part of the family, go join the street team. That has really taken off since Warren's taken charge of that. We now have leaderships. We have different committees. We have really cool stuff going on the street team. So go join. And, and when you join the street team, if you can't give us an hour's work a month, we don't care. We know life gets in the way. We still love you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Things happen.
0: All right. And then finally, you've heard the show before, you know, the first Friday Q&A, go to oilgasthisweek.com or oggn.com and go ahead and there's a place for you to give us your question. Remember the goal is not to stump Paige and I, but to help educate our audience. And if we read your question on the air, you'll get a big shout out. Then finally, if you want myself, Paige, or any of our other oil and gas experts to come speak at your event, let me know. We'd be happy to share the details. And then finally, oil gas events newsletter. If you'd like to have all the really cool stuff that's starting to pick up in 2021 put in your inbox for free once a month, go sign up for that. That's in the show notes as well. Ready to get out of here? Yeah. Remember folks, do great work, pay it forward and we will see you next time.
2: And here's Savannah with Events on Deck. Happy New Year, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for January 2021. This month, we only have three events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our two in-person events, the OCI East Houston Chapter Luncheon at the Monument Inn on the 5th, and the Houston Chapter Energy API Meeting at the Petroleum Club on the 14th. The only online event we have this month is the Prefab Connect from the 26th to the 29th. Other than these events, OGGN may be hosting some more live streams this month, so make sure to check out our Facebook, LinkedIn, or our website for more information about any of the live streams we have coming up. If you have any questions about the events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for January. I hope you guys have a great month, and thanks for tuning in.
0: Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.